1: You are listening to the Bright Thinking series from Premier Martin, a regular podcast on investment views from Premier Miten's fund management team. I'm Neil Birrell, Premier Martin's Chief Investment Officer and manager of the Premier Martin Diversified Fund range. In this podcast, I will examine the impact of the collapse of banks on both sides of the Atlantic and what the ramifications might be. The immediate flow of information in the world that we inhabit today means that financial markets move to reflect news and events almost immediately, and they often move too far before retracing some or all of the move. A good example of this was around the collapse of credit Suisse. Photographs of lines of people queuing up to remove cash from their bank accounts are very evocative and are as recent as Northern Rock in 2008. More typically, today is processed through a laptop or a phone, but it has just the same effect only faster. When companies are withdrawing money, the sums can be very large. This is caused by the fear of losing all your money. And why is that? Because the confidence that your bank will be solvent tomorrow has disappeared. That confidence is built on a bank displaying strong controls and management. In the case of Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse, both of those characteristics were missing. That had been known with regard to Credit Suisse for quite some time, and was arguably already reflected in the price of its bonds and shares and whilst not in great condition, the bank was far from terminal. However, with both these banks, and others in the US in particular, their financial positions and liquidity profiles, that's how quickly and easily assets can be sold and cash moved, were put under so much stress they break. In the US, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, stepped in to shore up the banks, as did large, better capitalised commercial banks. It's in no one's interest for banks to fail. There are others, such as hedge funds, Will be very interested in buying the failing bank's book of loans to clients at distressed prices, just as the UK loans of Silicon Valley Bank were purchased by HSBC. This is a free market economy operating efficiently, although shareholders lost all their money, which is the ultimate risk of being a shareholder. The situation in Credit Suisse was and is somewhat different. Even though it has got smaller over the years, particularly on a relative basis, the bank is a key player in the financial services industry in Switzerland and Europe more generally which is, in itself, a cornerstone of the Swiss economy and part of that country's fabric. A failure of Credit Suisse, with depositors losing their money, was inconceivable. The Swiss National Bank provided a very short-term solution by providing a liquidity facility, but it had to find a long-term solution quickly. And that came in the form of a takeover by its larger, stronger Swiss cousin, UBS. But that brought enormous complications and a fraught period for bond and shareholders with the proposed deal structure changing over the course of the weekend and trading taking place in various credit sweeps and UBS securities. These are financial instruments, including the shares and the bonds of the company. So, what's the outcome of all this? In short, chaos. Uncertainty is the bane of an investor's life, and that's exactly what we got. It's difficult to talk too much about short-term movements in markets or individual investments in such volatile times, but it can provide opportunity as well as threat. The Swiss authorities made some interesting decisions. Obviously, the ramifications for the nation were higher on the agenda, and whilst they played within the rules, the decisions relating to how they treated the different parts of the capital structure of Credit Suisse, that's its bonds and its shares, surprised just about everybody. This related particularly to the additional Tier 1 bonds or AT1 bonds. These are bonds issued by a bank that can be converted into equity. They were treated worse than the equity. This cannot take place under EU or UK regulations, which reduces the wider uncertainty of the situation. But once the situation was more understood, the prices rallied and some sense of relief held sway, and that continues today. Any stress in the financial system is bad news, but it does seem that, as it stands, the specifics we have been through over the last few weeks might be containable. However, there are wider reaching implications. Firstly, it will mean that the lending conditions for borrowers as corporate and consumer borrowers will be tighter and more difficult going forwards. That's particularly concerning for companies that need to fund their businesses for growth plans. Secondly, tighter lending conditions will result in less economic activity and increase the risk of recession, along with more companies failing and unemployment rising. That will be the case in just about all geographic regions. On the biggest stage, it gives the central banks a massive conundrum. They're in the midst of a tightening cycle, which means increasing interest rates to beat inflation. Hitherto, the equation was twofold, balancing how far and how high interest rates needed to go to beat inflation without doing too much to damage economic growth. They're decided on the need to beat inflation as the key driver. Now they need to add into that the risk of causing great stress in the financial system, by putting up interest rates too far. To mix my analogies, that will trump everything. Looking ahead, central banks and regulators will be totally focused on supporting the global financial system. The risks of steeper economic slowdown and recession are enhanced, but that is more palatable than financial crisis. Notwithstanding that, it is what everyone is talking about. So it will be, to one degree or another, reflected in markets already. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode interesting. Look out for other episodes in the Bright Thinking series.
0: This podcast is for investment professionals only and is issued by Premier-Mighted Investors, which is the marketing name for Premier Portfolio Managers Limited and Premier Fund Managers Limited, which are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. The value of investments can fall as well as rise.